Well, thank you and good morning. And uh, my gratitude to Gleaves and Grand Valley State University for uh, putting on this good conference. Um, I thought I should mention that my first collaboration uh, with Gleaves on, on one of these conferences was back in 2002. We did an early assessments of the Bush presidency uh, in the midterm of the first uh, term of the Bush presidency. Uh, a book came out of that conference by Oxford University Press. Um, and looking at the Bush presidency today looks very, very different, of course, from uh, what we were talking about at the end of 2002 for a book that was published in, um, it was in 2003, the conference book was published in 04. Um, but we're going to be doing a book from uh, a number of the uh, papers from which the presentations are based at this conference. So uh, please be looking for that. And I guess this will be kind of the bookends um, for my collaborations with Gleaves because we did another program after the 04 elections on religion in the Bush presidency and produced a couple books from there. So we're, we're collaborators now, I guess, on, on four different books um, as a result of a variety of these different conferences uh, that Gleaves has put together. Uh, my presentation is on the principle of executive privilege. Uh, Mitch Sullenberger is my collaborator, so um, uh, promising to keep to the time limit here, we're going to split this up. Seven and a half minutes each about. I've got this thing timed beautifully. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> and Dale's going to keep me honest um, on that particular point. Uh, executive privilege is, for many people, I think, an obscure constitutional principle. What is that thing, executive privilege? Every once in a while we hear about it in the news, particularly when a president messes up. Uh, we tend to hear about it. Nixon, Clinton, later on. And uh, executive privilege became controversial yet again. Uh, during this Bush administration. Uh, quite simply, executive privilege is an implied Article II power of the presidency. Um, it is the right of the president to withhold information from those who have uh, what, are, what is called compulsory power, uh, congressional investigators, the courts, special prosecutors, and the like. Um, and generally, executive privilege has been accepted as legitimate throughout history in terms of uh, court decisions, precedential uh, value, and the like, uh, in areas such as um, certain national security needs, uh, protecting the privacy of internal deliberations in the White House when it serves the public interest to do so, and also protecting the privacy of ongoing investigations in the executive branch. But that's pretty much it. And it is a limited presidential power, and like with all Article II powers of the presidency, with the exception of the pardon power, it is subject to uh, limitations. It is subject to a balancing test against the needs of other branches, other actors in our political system. Uh, some scholars have made the argument that there is no such thing as executive privilege because there is no phrase executive privilege in our 18th century constitution. Well, the phrase executive privilege was not a part of a, our common language um, in the 18th century, but that doesn't mean that uh, this particular power uh, was not recognized as a necessity and not exercised by uh, early presidents. And in fact, executive privilege has origins going all the way back to the Washington administration, even though the phrase executive privilege never was used until the 1950s in the Eisenhower administration. But again, presidents going back to the beginning exercise what we today consider the equivalent of executive privilege. Now, President Washington first confronted, of course, as with many other areas of presidential power, the whole question of whether the president has the right to withhold information from uh, Congress and from others 
and in one particular controversy where he called together his cabinet and asked for their advice on this whole matter, he concluded that the president does indeed have the right to do so, but he determined that he would turn over the information that was requested by Congress anyway because there was no undue public harm that would come from releasing the information in that particular case. He set up the principle as a legitimate presidential power, but then he said the balancing test in this particular case weighed in favor of Congress's right to know, and he made it very clear that he considered this power a right of the president when it's done in the interest of protecting the public and protecting constitutional principles, but not for protecting or promoting the president's own powers or protecting himself from political or personal embarrassment. Not all presidents, of course, have adhered to that very high standard that George Washington established, and we know that executive privilege is most commonly associated with the Nixon scandal and also with the Clinton scandal that led to President Clinton's impeachment. Consequently, Presidents Nixon and Clinton gave executive privilege a bad name. I believe that executive privilege is oftentimes a necessary and a constitutionally based power, so that's an unfortunate thing that executive privilege has taken on such a bad name, but the reality is that many presidents, after Mr. Nixon in particular, avoided the use of executive privilege or at least avoided the use of those words and found other ways to withhold information because of the negative taint associated with executive privilege. President Bush has not been so restrained about the exercise of this principle. His administration has articulated a defense, I think, of an unprecedentedly broad scope executive privilege, and so Mitch Sullenberger is going to talk specifically about how President Bush has applied this principle in particular cases for the Bush administration's uses of this power and then provide the concluding analysis for our paper. Perfect. Thank you.